the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 126, recorded Friday, January 17th, 2014. Bootleg CES. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Welcome. How are you? Uh, with us this week, his name is Matt Scott. He's the world's worst Canadian and one of my very best friends. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Uh, Matt is from Omega Audio Video in London, Ontario, Canada. So, parts of, which which is actually lower or, or more south than some parts of the U.S. Uh, also, parts. eleven states actually. Eleven. There you go. Uh, also with us is Jason Griffin. Uh, Jason is, 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 is lower third, if you can see it there, integratorsacademy.com. He also works as a project manager for Via Home. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, also with us is Grant Klauser. Grant is the one, uh, one of his titles is technology editor at Electronic House Magazine, but he also does a lot of other stuff. So how are you, Grant? I'm very good, thank you. And last but not least, the ringleader of the Red Bands, AV Shouts, Chris Neto, and also works for uh, for AV Help Desk. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you today, Tim? Good. And real quickly, they didn't pay us for this, but we think they're cool people. So Chris is on a uh, on a Vadio uh, group. Sh- uh, I almost said group share. Good lord. Um, on a on a what's the name of that stupid product? It is a Vadio group station. Group station. Um, I almost I wanted to say group share. Testing it out and giving it a shot to see how well it would do with uh, Google Hangouts. I've been testing it with a various uh, different applications, and what a better application to sit here and have a fine podcast with you, sir. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, this week we're actually gonna we're gonna run down CES. I know it was a week ago. Grant was physically there. Uh, the rest of us had to slip it out in in our respective. Uh, <laughs> our respective uh, locations. But hey, you know what? The one thing that, that's nice about CES nowadays is folks like Grant uh, get to go and do a really good job reporting. So we're going to get his perspective and then we're going to get the, the guys that weren't there, uh, their perspective as well. Also talk about some rumblings uh, around Samsung and their manufacturing process. We have a gentleman who says the Blu-ray is dead. Uh, and I oh. actually happen to agree with him. So uh, we'll chat about that. But first... Uh, good Lord, it was probably, I don't even think CES was a day old, uh, was like a day done. And uh, Google makes this not so small announcement. Uh, well, let's, let's just kind of put it this way. Um, Google bought Nest, if you haven't heard yet. Uh, and they bought them for a paltry $3.2 billion, with a B, dollars so uh we're just kind of kind of go around the horn here guys and and see what what you think of that and and, and where you think google's going and, and nest is going as far as that matt we'll start with you uh you you work and, and live and breathe in the residential world first of all where do you think google's going with the purchase of nest 
They're trying to take over the world. Well, they're, you know, they're, they're there. And, or at least your house. Yeah. Uh, they are, they're being Google. They're going after anything and everything they can do to be everything and anything you need. Nice. And that's, you know, I think that's what they're doing. They're, they're going after the biggest, uh, maybe not the biggest, sorry, um, one of the most hype products in home automation that users seem to love and gives them a little bit of something. And they went and paid a boatload for it, which is, that I think that's the scary part to me, is the amount of money that they paid for a company that makes, wait for it, two products. Two. So technically that was what, 3.6 billion? So that's one point, yeah, two. Don't do math in your head. That's a lot of freaking money You'll for yourself. a product. For Harry just the four. one. There we go. I, I don't want to take my shoes off. Come on. So that's that's my take. All right. Uh, <laughs> Jason, when it comes to residential, what does this mean for, for the residential market? Uh, the fact that Google is kind of eh, getting their way in there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's going to be uh, some time before this really makes its way down, I think, into uh, our everyday installations. I mean, we already have a lot of clients who who love Nest. It's not really a product that we felt like we could do much with. Um, you know, they did open their API recently, which was, I thought, an interesting move. Um, haven't personally done anything to work with that, but, you know, I think Google's acquisition of Nest is is a bigger story just from the from the higher level of, you know, the, the perforation and the, the proliferation, rather, of the Internet of Things into, you know, people's homes and and it really does go to show that this uh, this technology is making its way uh, into our everyday lives. And and like Matt said, I think this is really a big play for Google in terms of just the data and getting into our homes. And and there's no company in the world that's better at uh, monetizing those large amounts of information. So I think that's that's Google's real interest here. No. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. That that is true. Uh, Grant, you you work and write for Electronic House, so let's let's get back into in residential real, real quick and. and play off of what Jason said there. I mean, what does this do for, you know, the the control market inside residential? We're going to talk about the fact that Samsung, and you wrote a piece about the Samsung uh, control as well. What, where does that put that market? Well, I, I kind of doubt that uh, Google is all that interested in getting in getting seriously deeper into the, the home automation world. Uh, I think more they're uh, interested in just finding out what everybody's temperature is in their home so they can sell them more blankets or something. Hmm, eh, that's, that's possible. Uh, Mr. Netto, let's, let's talk about uh, control broadly, right? Um, something that uh, Tony Fidel, uh, who is the, the head of Nest, if you're not familiar with his name, he's the guy, one of the founders of, of Nest. He has said in the last six months, you know, he, the whole idea behind uh, the Jetson home is, is gone. Uh, it's not attainable, at least not, not nothing in, not in the near future here. Uh, but there have been some uh, folks in the AV industry who have, you know, I don't know if it's scaremongering or not, but they've said, you know, AMX and Crestron better watch out because Google has bought Nest for three point two billion dollars, and you know they're going to be coming after you know uh, the big the big players in control. Is is that is that fair or is that you know is that are they you know are we missing the mark here and and there's something bigger at play? Well, b before I get into that, Tim, uh, when Google bought Nest, uh, actually my first thought was, 
we've seen this before. When Cisco bought Linksys, when Cisco bought Flip, everybody thought, oh, my God, Cisco's going home, into the homes now. What is Cisco? Nice. I, appropriately a Jetson <laughs> Thank ring. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> By Very accident, well that would be my notification. But um, uh, everybody panicked that everything was falling apart when Cisco was buying those uh, consumer-based products as well, and the fear of why Cisco now worrying about going into the home, and when Cisco started developing the uh, the telepresence for the home product, you know, was that the beginning of it? Now you fast forward a couple years, here we are now with Nest. Nest is a thermostat, okay? Let's not call it a touch panel. Let's not, you know, uh, make more of this than what it is. It's a company buying another company for its algorithms. Um, I don't know. I, I don't see Crestron AMX uh, going anytime soon. There is no threat. Uh, you know, uh, I've read uh, the same article uh, of that, and watch out, and here they come. And, you know, uh, more of the comments that came after that article was more based on will now Google or, or Microsoft now go after a legitimate you know, big-time player in the control industry and uh, make a play for the, you know, the home automation side. You know, there are other players out there outside just Crestron and AMX. Uh, obviously, I'm sure Crestron, excuse me, uh, Control 4, Savant, Extron, they all have something to say about that. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's more than just those two, but they're looked at probably as the, the two big ones. Well, and there's uh, a reason a for that, though. Side, there's a there's a reason for Why that though. I would say that that they're some of the more successful ones monetarily. Uh, it's something that I something I made a comment on one of the LinkedIn uh, groups this week, um, and that's this. From every smart person that that's told me, uh, you know, roughly what what Crestron brings in on a yearly basis, and obviously you're not going to find out unless you. Um, unless you get George Feldstein drunk, uh, um, you know, <laughs> I, that roughly you're looking at 250, 300 million dollars that they pull in on a yearly basis. And let, let's, you know, let's call it, you know, let's be honest here. Crestron is probably one of the more successful control companies. Uh, that's what they pull in for, for the control side. And AMX is, is a little bit less than that. I would say the Extron from a control side is, is much less than that. You've got Aurora that's in there. You've got Control 4. You yeah. have Savant. You have a, all these other guys. Let's, let's say all of them put together. Maybe you're going to touch five hundred, six hundred million dollars. All right. Yeah. They point they three point two billion dollars for this thing. This is not about control. This is not about uh, you know somebody going after Crestron or AMX or anybody else. This is about something They're way bigger. Something. What's that, Chris? Yeah. They're after something that Nest has perfected. Yes. And They're intellectual problem. Yeah. Yeah, Grant, you're yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. I read an Thank interesting you, article about Clarifying that actually what in what. What uh, what Nest was actually really paying for, and a lot of it I think comes down to um, Tony Fidel and his capabilities. And granted, yes, 3.2 billion is a lot to pay for just talent. So it's obviously bigger than that. It's also the hardware, which obviously there's not much of, right? But I think what Google sees in Nest is the potential to play with a partner that's been in the hardware space and has been successful in the hardware space. And Google to this point, hasn't really been able to penetrate the hardware. So I think there's a convergence there between what Google is trying to do to, you know, get more data on our everyday lives and what Nest is already producing and producing but, well. 
I, I don't know about that. And, and the reason why I say that is everything that Google has put out, whether small or not, has been successful. Um, yeah. You look at their tablet, the Nexus 7, for an Android-based tablet, it's widely considered one of the better tablets out there because it comes out minus or sans blueware. The Chromecast is a $30 unit that allows us to do the same thing that some other more expensive products would do. Yeah. Uh, they've been tiptoeing and putting their foot and toe in the water, getting ready for, yeah. you know, for hardware. And Nest right. is just another, you know, if you want to look at it, the tablet was 200 bucks. Chromecast, they're in that. They're all buying or selling products in that $200 range. I don't know. I I, I see a a pattern. By the way, Jason, if somebody ever asks mm-hmm. you if you're worth $3.2 billion, you should say yes. You don't ever say <laughs> that you're not worth that much money. I mean, good Lord. Uh, moving on, we're going to continue along the uh, the control uh, side of stuff. Samsung, because, you know, it's, you know, it, I don't know if it's part and parcel of, of Google, but hey, let's, let's go, you know, can continue here. Samsung uh, has entered the home automation market. Written by our fine friend Grant Clauser uh, from EH uh, from Electronic House. Uh, the, here's the thing about this, guys. Um, first of all, the the controller is called a Lumen, and that right there bugs the dickens <laughs> out of me. Uh, a Lumen is something you measure for light, and uh, but anyhow, that's neither here nor there. Um, it's it, different in the Japanese translation. I'm sure, I'm sure it means like you know pebble <laughs> or something stupid. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Grant, according, Grant, according to I only you only Japan. It's a small couple islands. Um, <laughs> it controls AC, uh, uh, AC cameras, LED lights, uh, a floor cleaner. You say in your piece, uh, a refrigerator, which really kind of threw me off uh, for, for a second because I'm not quite sure uh, the setting. Maybe I guess you can control the settings on your on your uh, on your uh, refrigerator. Uh, but they, it looks like that they have actually thought this thing out and and are pushing forward with this. So I mean, the first question, I mean, Grant, we'll start with you since you, you're the guy that wrote the piece and saw it. Uh, is this viable? I mean, should, is is this something that, that Samsung is, is going to make a decent push at? Or was it just kind of a CES thing? Well, they, Samsung already does, uh, I'm pretty sure, have uh, technologies like this deployed uh, in Korea. Um and there are there are other systems like that. Uh, Panasonic has some some smart home type systems that, that they deploy in, in Japan. Um, LG has has launched some similar things. For the U.S. market, I I'm envisioning you know final product. You know this is still prototype stuff. The final product might be a, a, a solution along the lines of the Revolve or the Staples Connect. Um, the the person I spoke with seemed to indicate that uh, you know a more open architecture rather than having the, the components closed just to work within a, a, a Samsung world is probably what they're going to do. You know, so it, it'll connect with other Wi-Fi or other Z-Wave type things. Um, and what I see, this is just a sign that, that that type of, that level of kind of DIY home automation, um, similar to what's going on with Nest, is just getting much more viable. But at the same time, I don't, I don't see that really as a big challenge for the professional installation, there's just a, a, a huge gulf between what a Control 4, Crestron, Elan type system can do compared to what um, you know, the Samsung or the Staples Connect or the Revolve or the Lowe's Iris, which I'm testing out in my house now. You know, they're, 
there are people who will fix their own car, and there are people who have someone else fix their car. And they, mm-hmm. I, I, I still believe those two markets are going to coexist for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's valid. That's valid. Uh, Matt, where do you think where do you think Samsung is going to fit in uh, in this whole control business? Not really in our world. That's for <laughs> Very <sure>. nice. Um, <laughs> well, it's like anything, you know. This past week, we've been doing a lot of, you know, after Christmas. Hey, I went out and bought. We have Boxing Day here, which is kind of like your Black Friday, um, and we had a lot of clients that went out and bought brand new Samsungs, and they got the little touchscreen remote and all this other stuff, and. Um, you know, our guys have been spending a lot of time these last couple of weeks installing them, and they're great. But what we can do with that screen and an actual proper control system versus what you can do with their ridiculous uh, eight hard button and one semi-responsive touchscreen is night and day different. And I think this is going to kind of fall into the same category of them doing something that is very cool and fairly effective, but again, is, is only going to play so well with other things and is only going to fit in for so many clients. For some people, they'll they'll get this, they'll play with it, they'll love it because they can do one or two little things. Um, but at least for, I, I know, our clientele, they're not going to be jumping over this. A, they're going to find it slightly confusing because they'll have to do it themselves because I'm not going to... No, hang on for a second, like, though. I mean, you're... you're I mean, you cut you off there, but you mean, you're a big-time Lutron guy, and, and they have some DIY stuff that you can get at, like, you know, Best Buy, and, and or not mm-hmm. Best Buy, good Lord, but uh, but Lowe's. Is this, not, is this not something you could do for them? It, it is, but the issue that we will have with this, that we have with any of those real, you know, actual DIY projects is... The client's expectation when we go to install something is usually the world. That, hey, because we bought it from OAV or we bought it from V or we bought it from whoever, that, hey, we can do anything. We can, can you know, start our car and, you know, turn on a radio station in the car just because we bought this little controller from, you know, Matt's company. But with products like this where our hands are going to be ridiculously tied, it's kind of the same thing as the Nest or, or when Sonos first came out, and there was no integration whatsoever. It was truly a DIY product, which, yes, we could make some money installing and occasionally selling. Um, but what we're, you know, what our uh, business is designed to do is to provide an actual custom solution. These kind of products don't really give us that freedom to get truly custom and truly build something that's tailor-made for that client. Hmm. And that's where, you know, again, I'm not saying it's a bad product. It's just one of those things that we're not really going to see. Most of the people that are going to buy these are going to be the DIY, hey, I want to set this up and do it, and, you know, I'm going to make it work for me. But it's I don't see it in our market really at all. I got you because you can't customize it and this, that, you know, you can't make it do exactly necessarily what they want it to do sometimes. Because of the restrictions that Samsung would put on it, so can I add something to that? Yeah, um, I think you know along those lines. Yeah, it's not going to be integrate. Not going to be something that's meaningful for your market. But my impression is, is the more people are aware of these kinds of technologies, uh, the, the sort of you know the raised awareness will make people who are more interested in your level, you know, learn about them and ask questions, and, and you know could uh, could be good for for business all around. Oh, I, I agree completely. I 
think that this is one of those products, like Sonos was when it first came out, and even Nest was, that is raising the tide. So it's going to raise the tide and bring the general awareness because, you know, as Tim said, I'm a big lighting control guy. Nine times out of ten, when I bring up a lighting control conversation, the first response I get, and anybody, especially in Resi, will know this for sure, is they get the, oh, clap on, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, that's that perfect dichotomy of what the industry penetration is that we have. And we talked about this, I think, Tim, on the last show I was on with you, that we need products like this on the market that general consumers see, love, and want to allow us to come out and then sell better products, products that are better suited and a step up. And, you know, again, I I think this is one of those things that can be perfect for it. I'm not going to sell it, but it's going to be great for hopefully helping bridge clients into better technologies and things that are better suited for them and better suited for our business. <laughs> uh, Chris, we'll, we'll move on with, with same kind of question. How successful do you think Samsung will be with this? I mean, is this one of those things where uh, they'll, you know, they'll they'll find a nice n- nice niche in this market, or you know, will it uh, kind of come and go as as some of some things kind of tend to do? Well, from a from the consumer resi side of the business, I'm sure they'll be fine because a lot of people know and trust their brand. I mean, they are the combatants to everything Apple. So would it would it be successful? Right now, they're one of those companies that their name will sell a product because their name is on it. Uh, you know, think uh, 15 years ago, anything that had a Sony name on it was the best. You know, their, their name sold their product. Uh, right now, Samsung's hot. Somebody will want this. They'll decide between this and you know and something Apple decides to put together. Um, from a commercial side, I'm with Matt. This is the clapper. I mean, I got to deal with this. Questions on Monday when somebody buys it on the weekend. You know, can I use this in my office? No. Can I use the Nest in my office? No. Now wait, now wait a minute. Hang on for a second. You can't. You you don't. You guys don't no. don't don't put well, the Nest in the. You wouldn't put the nest I'm in, in sure a business. I'm sure the uh, the union electricians and HVAC guys that work in these buildings would absolutely love to have individual nest controls firing things up and down and up and around all over the place. No. So I mean, what it does, like Matt says, is it opens up the doors. So now at least people that never realized that there are such things as control systems out there will come to me and say, maybe I do need a control system. Because what a lot of guys on the Resi side, you know, um, you guys will sell products and say, you know what, you have, and, it, and it's very easy, it seems like on the Resi side, to say you need a unified remote control. You can call it that. If you can get it in the, into a touch screen, uh, great. Now you, with iPads, it makes life a little easier for you guys. Um, in the commercial side, there's always been this pushback um, of control system equals a lot of money, and I just want something simple. Whether it's an integrated VC, if it's an integrated VC system, then you have to do it. All I have to do then is just drop 20 remotes in front of them and say, okay, this controls your audio conferencing, this controls your video conferencing, this is for one TV, this is for the other, (laughs) this is for your uh, integrated audio. You know, I can, it it makes sense, but there's, it seems that whenever we were talking to customers or end users, uh, whether, you know, pick an instance, they see the price tag of, of, of uh, 
of the uh, control system. And well, can we get rid of that? And can we get of get rid of audio conferencing? That those are the two that usually get cut out on the value engineering side of the business. They will, you know, try to cut out integrated audio and control because they can. Oh, they have a remote on the table, you know. And that's why pedestal, you know, a cart video conferencing systems in the commercial world still live because not, not everybody wants to justify getting a control system. Yeah, and putting but it in one spot. Yeah. These automated devices at home at least have opened up the eyes to the executive who's like, you know what? If I show up from my iPad, I don't want it. Take your iPad, we'll put it on the on the on the cradle and we can make it work. As long as it's a company issued iPad, we have no problem getting on the company network. We can try. But that's I, I'm I love all this conversation that's going on on the resi side, because I think it helps us explain our things a lot easier. So. Well, yeah, and then the, you you just brought up a really good point: is you know, as long as the as long as it's a company issued iPad and you can get in the company network, if it's not, good luck doing that in some in some <laughs> IT departments. So, uh, Jason, we'll we'll let you have the last word on on Samsung yep. and Control. Are, are are they making a good move here? Or are they uh, are they stepping into waters? But maybe they shouldn't be. I'm going to be bold and say that this is going to fail miserably. Okay. Why is <laughs> I, that? I don't think Samsung, I don't think really? this really fits. You I think? Mean, Are you yeah, sure? I... It looks awesome. <laughs> it does look awesome, and it's it's one gang. And I, I think Samsung's kind of playing in no man's land here, and the reason I say that is because um, it feels like, when I read the article at least, it, it just it feels like integrating with third-party anything was kind of treated as an afterthought. And I see this developing as a, another closed system that might play nicely if you want everything in your house to be Samsung, but as soon as you introduce anything else, you know, you're kind of up a creek. And, and it may be appealing to a small market of enthusiasts and DIYers, but um, for the future of residential and, and sort of more budget do-it-yourself home automation systems. I think companies like SmartThings and uh, Revolve, those guys I think are making a much smarter play because they're they're sort of a layer on top of all these, you know, like everything's got an app now, right? We run mm -hmm. into that a lot in residential. Like when we talk to our clients and we talk to them about control systems and they say, well, you know, my DirecTV has a standalone app and this and everything has a standalone app and it's kind of, I heard an interesting analogy that's, everything having its own app is kind of the modern day equivalent of a coffee table covered, covered in remotes. You no, know, it it's like, so you're constantly switching back and forth and, um, companies like smart things and revolve are trying to solve that problem. They're not trying to sort of reinvent the control protocols of each device. They're just sort of putting a nice layer on top of those that'll tie everything into, a, you know, a unified interface. I just, I don't see how this fits Samsung's business model. I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, it might stick around for a while and it might uh, gain traction with with uh, a small group of people, but I, I don't think it's going to stick personally. All right. Maybe it'll stick around as long as X10 did, though. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> That's possible. That's you don't possible. claim that to be dead already. You know what? You know Nobody what? wants that. We, we there had are, the funeral for that already. I, 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 got, I got a nasty email from our buddy Harry Mead that the time that we declared X10 dead because he, he still uses X10. So, you know, 
We're trying to get him saved. To <laughs> power the one incandescent. It's very hard. Very, it's very hard. Well, you know, he's he's a Ravens fan, so there's not. I know. Much we can do so about that. it doesn't. You know, it stops. It does stop. Uh, see, you, now we'll see if he watches. Uh, yeah, he he he. he yeah. <laughs> uh, you're listening and watching AV Week uh, with uh, that gentleman right there. His name is Matt Scott. Uh, J- Jason Griffin uh, from Via Home is here with us. Grant Clauser from Electronic Home Magazine and a fine publication from EH Pubs. And Chris Netto, the original Red Bander, um, and uh, also works for AV, uh, AV Help Desk. So, uh, also, what, what, real quickly, we're, we're going to delve into CES real quick. We're going to start with Grant because he's the only one of us who actually went, and the rest of us are kind of give, give our impression of CES kind of through his eyes and, and through the other reporters that were their eyes. Uh, Grant, you, you wrote a, a couple, actually you wrote quite a few different articles. Um, from your standpoint and, and from someone who I w- actually was there on the show floor with you know you and 150,000 of your closest friends, what was one or two technologies that you were like, this is, this is it, this is what CES is going to be about this year? Well, for me, I was mostly paying attention to um, uh, the television. So it was 4K all over the place. Yeah. You know, every major manufacturer and the manufacturers that you know, you know, you'll find at Costco and whatnot were just loaded with 4K TVs. Um, but what, what struck me so much was some of the odd uh, televisions there. The, the prevalence of the curved televisions I still can't get over. Um, and the, uh, the, the flapping TVs. The, uh, the curved TVs that would bend, were, you know, they, they can go from flat to curved. Um, gimmicks, I just don't get it. Um, you know, th- those are sort of the, we'll make it because we can, and it'll get, you know, people like me to write articles about it. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that those are actually, if, if they become real things and people start buying them, yeah, I, I doubt it. But 4K televisions are, are, uh, are going to be the big thing this year. I've, I've told manufacturers that the only TVs I want to review this year are 4K. Um, the big problem is content, uh, and most of the content news uh, was focused around streaming content. Uh, there was some uh, Reed Hastings from Netflix uh, came up and said that the, you know, the, the average user should be able to get 4K uh, stream Netflix with, uh, what is it, 15 megabits per second? Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have trouble believing that because I have trouble getting getting 1080 out of Netflix, you know, with, with my uh, files connection. So uh, that's gonna I think gonna be a big problem, especially for the integrators who now who, who should be uh, focusing a lot on making sure that their clients have excellent networks, uh, especially if they're gonna start buying 4K TVs and expect to be streaming Breaking Bad and 4K or whatever. Real quickly, and we'll move on to the guys and, and again that weren't there seeing it through your eyes. As far as the 4K streaming and even the 4K downloading, uh, you mentioned Netflix. You, uh, YouTube has talked about they're ramping up their their streaming efforts as well. Amazon uh, with with Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have you know, the network, and you, you mentioned BIOS, you've also got some of these internet providers who have caps, <laughs> you know, monthly caps yeah. on yeah. on what. So how is that going to affect? Uh, the 4K, you know, movement. Oh well, it'll be a problem, especially with the uh, uh, the news a couple of days ago of um, net neutrality issues, possibly uh, uh, allowing uh, the telecom companies to to you know, squeeze different providers in, in different ways, of you know, allowing Netflix through but not allowing Amazon to. Who knows if that'll ever yeah. happen? But 
um, you know, the, 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 the future world of getting 4K into your TV is still really foggy. Yeah. Yeah, we, well, we, we, we kind of followed the network neutrality, and we, we might talk about it here towards the end. Uh, Chris, from your standpoint, again, someone who was, was not in Vegas but seeing it through the eyes of people like Grant and others, what was one or two uh, technologies that was, this is, this is what CES is about this year? And I am frantically searching for it because I saw something that <laughs> caught my eye, and I cannot find it anywhere right now. But apparently, uh, one of the things that they showed out there that caught my interest was robotic projectors I saw that yeah that will that will go and move around and project whatever you want to see in whatever room just by calling it over or I'm sure some sort of NFC the 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 interest is I'm sure that that may be something very kitschy sounding to a lot of people but if that can somehow be applied to a commercial application I see the you know, technicians that run around with projectors now all of a sudden finding at home. It's the it, it could be the new mail bot of the commercial environment if they could figure this out. Hmm. You know, it's it's tough. I mean, you can have a whole pool of these things, and they just run around and project in the rooms when they're needed and when they're done. Sort of makes things a little bit efficient. But that's me thinking out yeah. out there out there, I guess. So I, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. I never thought that somebody was going to put a projector on a Roomba and call it a, call it a day, but that it works uh, for me. Um, <laughs> the other thing I saw that I, uh, that caught my interest was I'm, I'm interested in the whole automated car stuff, not automated car, but how cars are getting tech wise. Mm -hmm. um, I spend way too much time in the car. So anything that can be done that will help me get through my day or get myself done while in the car is very interesting. Um, that to me is is big. And then when you combine that with wearable stuff that everybody's talking about, where I don't know if wearables right there yet, but this all this whole podcast we've been talking about the CES stuff. This is the consumer side of the Internet of Things. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants everything connected somehow. Your refrigerator telling you that your milk is low. You get in the car, your mirrors adjust because it knows that you're there because you're wearing a watch that tells that that you're there. You know, sort of like we're adding convenience, and that's I, I think that's what or personalization to things. And I think this is where where the big theme around everything with CES was is that it's all about customization and personalization, all via the internet. So I, I, those are those are the top things that I was looking at. Nothing. Else, I could care less now about headphones. Uh, I've seen now three CES shows with enough big headphones, unless you know uh, something new and improved came out, like the Maserati ones, uh, which just are have a Maserati sticker on the Bowers and Wilkins heads. <laughs> Outside of that, regardless. So that doesn't make them better. No. Of course, that makes them better. Now, it's if they were, if they were on a pair of Sennheiser yeah. Momentums, that would might make them better. <laughs> yeah, I like those. <laughs> Sorry, that was from my buddy Michael. Uh, Jason, why, for, from sitting back in uh, on the on the far west coast, uh, looking at uh, you, know, you could have driven to, to to Vegas for crying out loud, dude. Uh, <laughs> what was what was one of two things uh, coming out of CES that uh, that um, that kind of you know you were like, this is it. This is what CES is about. Yeah, it's hard for me to point to like one or two specific products, but I was really interested in. The, you know, the Internet of Things, the wearable technology, how this is going to play in, affect home automation. 
that sort of thing. One of the one of the coolest things I saw was actually smart things. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this video. It was kind of going around. They they rented out a house kind of outside of Vegas and outfitted it with all their technology. And they did some really cool demos of of what can be done with their technology now. And it it was just really interesting to see to see. I think smart things is really onto something, and I think they're one to watch in terms of DIY home automation. Uh, wearable technology, I think we're sort of on the horizon of cool things going on with that. But to me, CES this year felt like it's sort of, um, I read an article that, that described it as uh, the adjacent possible. And this is a concept that was written about where it's like big breakthroughs tend to happen in different places of the world at the same time because we're all working off of the same assumptions of what we think is possible. And I think CES was kind of that this year, where we're finally just starting to see some of the cool applications for the Internet of Things and how, how it can really come into our everyday lives. So it'll be interesting to watch over the next year. I personally didn't feel like there was one breakout product that just floored me. Obviously, yeah. 4K is exciting. Um, some of the wearable stuff was cool. But, um, you know, there's a few companies I'll be keeping my eye on this year, and, and we'll see. Maybe we'll have a, a conversation next year about the big the big breakthrough. OLED, brother. Just yeah. OLED. <laughs> Sorry, that's... Wait a minute. Many... What? Everybody's talked about say that. Yeah. Everybody's talked about CES, but since Grant was the only one there, can we at least get a first-hand account what happened when Michael Bay dropped the microphone? And yes, Grant. Go, go. Oh, that was that was great. Uh, I, I was I was really hoping that my hashtag Bay Bail would catch on, but oh. didn't. Um, but yeah, the, the you had a crowd of you know a thousand journalists all just looking at each other, going, "What the hell?" Oh, as, 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 you know, one of the biggest people in, in, in uh, entertainment decides that he can't, uh, you know, ad-lib and just walks off the stage. Now, in, now in, in, in Mr. Bay's defense, he's a director, not an actor, you know. Sure. Not used to teleprompting and, you know, go, never mind, I, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> Matt, you, you've got the last word on this one. What's uh, what was CES about for you this year? Looking at it remotely, I, it's really hard because I was waiting for again something hopefully groundbreaking, as as we do with every show we you know either attend or, or follow, and I didn't really see it, which unfortunately seems to be kind of the trend the last couple of years uh, with most of these shows. Just because of what we do, the biggest things for me was, you know, some of these 4K screens and some of the pricing for some of these 4K screens, which I think will, you know, again, be that that upgrade cycle. Because we're finding that, uh, you know, again, just at least for us, for our company, um, most of our clients have now, you know, completely made the transition to HD. So we're not getting some of those room upgrades that we used to get as they would transition. So, you know pretty much as fast as 4K can get here with content, uh, the happier we'll be because it will, again, open that, that upgrade phase uh, again, which, which is good. Um, the other thing that really excited me, I guess, um, would have been some of the, the automotive increases. And, you know, I'm, I'm headed next week, uh, I believe on Tuesday, to the Tr Detroit International Auto Show, and I'm hoping that they will have brought some of the stuff that they talked about at um, uh, CES to this show as it's you know one of the bigger shows in in the world for the automo auto 
automotive industry. Um, so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what that does because that's, you know, we're still very uh, old school with most of the technology in a lot of uh, the vehicles that are available today. And as they continue to advance those two things, um, I, I think that's going to be really, really cool to watch, especially because I'm really getting tired of getting tickets uh, for multiple infractions, mainly tech-related. You? No. <laughs> I know you're shocked. I thought they just apologized for you being in your way. He's okay. investing in video conferencing if he can't drive anywhere. Well, yeah, there's, there's that. Do they have, you know, those little monitoring? Never mind. All right, uh, last but not least, guys, uh, ZDNet rep reprinted a, an article from actually 2008 that said Blu-ray is dead. It was written by a guy by the name of Robin Harris, and he, he outlines a couple of things, and then they updated it by adding streaming to it. But basically he says, look, you know, after all the hoo-ha, after the big war with, with HD, DVD, Blu-ray won, and nobody cared, uh, they've got about 5 to 6% market share. Uh, independent con independent filmmakers aren't making Blu-rays because of the cost of printing them and, and, and producing them. And then, oh yeah, you throw in this whole streaming 4K thing. And not even 4K, you can stream, you know, people are streaming in HD. Uh, you can stream for YouTube in, in HD. Uh, you know, Reed Hastings, the head of Netflix, has famously said that they will be out of the DVD, the physical media business, by 2020. And in case you've forgotten, that's only six years away now, kids. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. What, first of all, is is Blu-ray or let's just let's not even let let's not make fun of Sony. Let's just say physical media. Is it is it? I'm not even gonna say it's on the way out. I think it's it's pretty well on its way out. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. When will physical <laughs> media be on its way out? Mm. Um, I don't think we're you no. It's not going to go away. Not yet. Maybe uh, I give it another two years. Two years. Wow. I was going to say tomorrow, but I'll go with two years. <laughs> and, and the only reason why I say that is, is that there is still lines at the net at the Redbox uh, vending machine to get your DVD. And every time I go, I can't get my copy of the Wolverine. I have to, you know, I have to reserve it ahead of time to go get it, or whatever the case is. Whatever it is that we're, what I was planning on watching, uh, I, you know what, there is a, it, it's sort of like books, um, you know, the uh, Nook and the uh, Kindle was supposed to kill the books. I still go to the bookstore. I get made fun of, but there's something about being in a bookstore and picking that up. I still go out and buy CDs. Uh, if I if I truly like what I'm hearing, I buy one or two songs maybe and carry it on my phone. But my phone and my iPod are two different things uh, because I carry two or three different phones with me and gadgets and stuff. I still have a physical CD in my car. Maybe I'm old school, but I also have vinyl, so I don't. Well, that's a whole different ask. conversation, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole. There, there's actually and somebody. Believe it or not. No, they, they somebody. If the... you want to consider, if you want to lump that in, vinyl is making a resurgence. Yes. On, uh, you know, on its way back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know I, on what though. Many record players are still being sold to the public. Well, actually, quite a few but, now that the the vinyl's making its way back. So, yep. Uh, Grant, uh, if, if let's let's ask you two questions. First of all, do you think media is on the physical media is on its way out? And if it is, then when? Uh, yes, but not for a while. Okay. Um, if, if 
clearly, you know, streaming or, or other kinds of internet delivery uh, is going to take over. Um, but until the quality can match Blu-ray, uh, it's 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 Blu-ray still has to be here. You know, a movie that I that I care about, I buy on Blu-ray. You know, I stream a lot of TV shows and you know and crappy horror movies, you know, from Netflix and whatnot. But when I when I care about the movie, there's just nothing that, that, that compares to the you know, to, to Blu-ray. Now, except for one thing. And that's Kaleidoscape's uh, mm, download yeah. because that is a bit for bit copy, and that's beautiful. But even their least expensive system is four grand, so that's in a way. Which is a which is a steal, by the way, if you compare Pardon? it to their other stuff. Well, yeah, true. I mean, it's it that that's a really good unit, but um, it certainly is not for everybody. When even a, a really great Blu-ray player from uh, Oppo uh, is you know. Five six hundred bucks, and then you can get your, you know, your Blu-rays for cheap at Amazon or Walmart. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on, Jason. What uh, again is is physical media on its way out, and if so, how long does it have? I think to a certain extent it is. You know, maybe it's. I don't think it's ever going to go away completely, like Chris said. I mean. There is an application for Blu-ray discs for people now who want the, you know, the real high-quality uh, viewing experience, right? But I can tell you this, from my experience in residential, and we do high-end jobs, we we stick a couple Blu-ray players in almost every job we do, and they hardly ever, they hardly ever get used. Everybody just wants the convenience now of Apple TV, um, and unless we're doing like a dedicated theater. Um, they get used in there, but that's about it. A lot of the viewing rooms, people just want to sit down and and have the convenience of of streaming and being able to select from, you know, Apple TV stores or Netflix or what have you. So, I, I do think that the writing is on the wall for Blu-ray, and uh, it's it's hard to say exactly how long that that process is going to take. But, you know, I I do see it in my day-to-day -day work that it's it's just getting used less and less. Yeah, it's almost it's almost gotten to the point where it's it's a VHS player. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, I should I shouldn't ask you this because you're you guys are still waiting on on you know your Betamaxes from 1970. The Canadian <laughs> well, government. This whole conversation is is very hard for me considering the stash I just got in <laughs> of of new Blu-rays. But all right, well then 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 no, take like, you know, I, I I just opened the box as we were conversating. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, Amazon. Love it. Uh, you know, I do agree in the States. I, I think you will see physical media continue to die very quickly. Again, I don't think it's a, a one-month or, or six-month deal. I think it's going to be, you know, still another four or five years before it's completely gone for a couple of reasons, um, namely the fact that, yes, streaming is available, but streaming is only available where you have access to the internet speeds and the transmission, you know, the throughput to allow it to do it consistently and very well. And until they get to a point where they can do that, uh, the infrastructure, you know, right now just isn't there. Now, when we start talking about places like Canada, for me, um, it's a whole different story because we don't have access to the content that you guys do. So we don't have Hulu. We don't have Vudu. We do have Netflix, but it's Canadian Netflix. So we don't have um, access to all these shows that you guys get. 
Shut up, Mr. Neto. <laughs> do you have? And I'm, I'm not being hateful. You mentioned Amazon. Do you have? Do you have Amazon Prime? Uh, we do, but not to the same. Again, uh, there effect. are restrictions to the to the titles. Yes, okay. all the content is, or the majority of the content is restricted. You cannot get stuff. Uh, again, to the sense that you guys can. So when you look at it on a global scale, there are so many other markets, and I know that the U.S. is one of the main pushers for all of this technology, but globally it's not. It's completely different. So even for us, we can't go to CBS to watch the latest episode of Intelligence or, or whatever you want to watch. So for us, we still have a wide variety of people that are still running DVDs and Blu-rays so that they can go and get the latest uh, you know, season of Castle or NCIS or, or, or whatever it is and watch it because there, there's outside of paying for it through iTunes there's no other marketplace that really makes it available. So when you get outside... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm just going... Where where do you live, dude? I mean, honestly, I, I, I used to this go to is, Europe, this, and I used to this, tell people that we're two seasons ahead of their shows. You're on the same track as, like, Bosnia. I, dude, oh, you guys got to get something me. up there. It, it, it's the what whole, is going on? No. Lost is over. Lost finished oh, two years nice. ago. What? I will so tell you what happened. I'll tell you how Mash ended it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I still love Mash. Wow. Well, and, and, and you know what? You, you know, uh, there, there are ways that it's, you could. You know, at least I've I've been told there are ways. There that are you... ways that you can circumvent the IP uh, situations and whatnot. But you know, again, you you're adding. <laughs> yes, you're adding more things in, and you know, as an integrator, we don't do that for anyone. Oh yeah. Because it's a service called nightmare, and it's technically illegal. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah. on on several <laughs> planets. Yes, and there's that. many many planets, but you know it is. It's one of those things where, unfortunately, yes, we're not as you know far back as say Bosnia, but we're not much farther ahead either. <laughs> and for us, that's that's why we're we're not going to see it here for quite a long time. We're just starting to see apps like HBO Go and local versions of that for our local broadcasters available. But, you know, the Super Bowl is what, a week away? Two weeks. Two weeks. All, so those, all, all those commercials that you guys watch that – shut up. <laughs> all those commercials that you guys – It may be on really? a very heavy lay for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> for all those commercials that they pay millions of dollars for every 30-second spot, we're going to get overlaid with retarded, stupid little car commercials for some local car dealer – Little pizza junk, like it, it's once you get outside of your country, you guys have no idea how the rest of the world works. <laughs> and that's we're typical Americans in that, yeah, you're right. So, it you know, to get back to wow. the, the point of is Blu ray gonna die? Yes. yes, it will. And at some point, we'll get to a point where everything's hardware or sorry, um, stored on hard drives and, and served from the cloud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the US will probably lead the way in that. But then it will be additional, uh, you know, quite a few additional years before everyone else gets to that point. Yeah. Especially right. us lowly Canadians. Especially you lowly Canadians. All right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Um, in my hot little hands here, I just received this today, the Infocom 2014 Education Catalog. If you have not gotten it yet or haven't, you know, 
haven't seen it, either go online uh, or ask the person who handles your Infocom membership. Uh, inside, I, 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 I like doing this because it always shows me how far behind I am, especially compared to my buddy, uh, Harry Mead. There's a, there's a track here for every single discipline. There's a technology manager track, a project manager track, obviously designer, installer uh, for the CTSD and the CTSI. So check that out either online or, or ask the person who handles your uh, your Infocom membership. It's the 2014 education catalog. So check that out. All right. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen, uh, for, for joining us. Uh, Mr. Chris Netto uh, is from AV Shout, um, AV Help Desk, and uh, the Red Band. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I think that your uh, your Vadia group station looked uh, worked rather well. So, Thanks. And uh, we we will be having some uh, some upcoming uh, additional Red Band things coming up uh, for the podcast. So I look forward to getting that done. And, Matt, I will meet you on Sunday at the border. I'll bring all my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, copies nice. for you to catch up Dude, on. Dude, bring me some bootleg stuff, please. I'm all about it. <laughs> Uh, also with us is Grant Klauser, technology editor and a bunch of other stuff for Electronic House Magazine. Thank you, Grant. Thank you very much. And uh, can't you get a sling box to, yeah. to get uh, some stuff to Canada? That you can do. Uh, and we have a couple clients that we do that for. But again, it's, you know, it's jumping through all these ridiculous hoops just to watch something that ABC gives to all you Americans for free. But there's it's more annoying. of us. So. Uh, since we're on Matt, Matt, thank you so much. He's from Glad Omega, to be here. Thanks. Omega Audio Video. Uh, and last but not least, Jason Griffin. Uh, he's from VIA uh, Home uh, Project Manager there. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was uh, enjoyable. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Go by the website if you would, please. Uh, the world's worst Canadian has spent an awful, awful lot of time uh, on it. Uh, his name is Matt Scott. He's our web guy. It looks pretty. Uh, but if you don't think it looks pretty, let us know how you'd like us to change it. Um, he might get to it by the time we have a, a new president. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. That's in, that's in two years, Matt. Uh, no, it the looks really good. That you just threw me under. It looks, it looks really good. I'm giving you a hard it time. Felt- it, it felt great, thanks. It looks really good. Do you so, like your knife back? So please go by the website, avnation.tv. <laughs> avnation.tv. You'll find this show, our education show. Uh, we're getting ready to post a new DIY. Um, so check those out. Uh, the um, AV uh, Social, which is a social marketing uh, and media show. The Red Band guys have a podcast there. So yeah, go by the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. Oh, my God.